Welcome to the Who Cares Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Hedinger. Care matters. You feel better when you know somebody cares about you. And people feel better when they know you care about them. But there is so much more. Mastering caring skills equips you to engage with people around some very heavy subjects when they need care and help the most. And as people respond to you, you will be energized to realize that your care is making a difference. But most of all, when people of faith care effectively, the world is able to experience God's love and care. So we're here with stories and with leaders to talk about grief, trauma, addiction, mental illness, poverty, and more so that we can find the answer to the questions, how can we care better? What can we do to provide the best care? Today, my guest is Joe Hess. At the time of our interview, his emotions were raw, not only from his father's death, but he was invited into the tragic situation of an adult child's suicide. As difficult as they were, Joe knew he was where he needed to be. And the pain was real, but he was vitally alive because he knew he was making a difference. So you'll really be interested to hear my conversation with Joe Hess. But before that, I want you to know this podcast is brought to you by Best Care Ministry. For more real-life stories of care, useful resources, important organizations that care for people, go to our website, bestcareministry.com. It's also a great opportunity for you to get connected with the care ministry world. And you can also support us financially with a one-time or a recurring gift on the donate page of your website. Please consider supporting us financially so that together we can build a culture of care, offer many resources, and help people experience God's love and care. Now, let's listen to my conversation with Joe Hess. Joe, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I'm really excited to talk to you. And I'm excited to talk to you about a couple of really difficult subjects, grief, loss, and funerals, uh, subjects nobody wants to talk about. Uh, We might even have fun talking about it because we both enjoy life, we both enjoy humor, but we both have come to realize these are very important subjects. And if we learn how to walk through them, we live healthier spiritually, emotionally, mentally. So if we can get people to engage in this topic, their lives and their ministries are going to improve. So thanks for being here to talk to me about that. Yeah, you bet, Dan. I, you know, I, as we've discussed earlier, uh, both of these topics, you know, especially the, the, the grief part, the death part, man, it's not something that we step into easily. Not, not many people come into this world uh, having a, a, a giftedness, if you will, to step into that stuff. So, man, if we can help folks be a little bit better about stepping in uh, into some of that stuff, walking with people with that stuff, maybe we, maybe we walk away um, giving a little gift to somebody. In, in our audience, we will have lay people and we'll have pastors and care pastors, maybe the occasional youth pastor. 
And if they're like me, I went into ministry with a vision of dynamic, growing churches, being a cool guy, being up front, speaking, teaching, and all of that stuff. And I didn't even focus on subjects of loss and grief and death. Uh, I actually thought they were things that interrupted my ministry and that I had to sort of step aside from the cool stuff and do this other thing. But as my ministry took a major turn and as your life took a major turn, we ended up getting into that field and I, I discovered that this is where the action is. This is where ministry is maybe most meaningful and memorable. And if we don't do it right there, none of the rest of it even makes sense. No, it's, it's true. You know, I, I think Dan, there, there's, um, you know, I, I often joke that I am, uh, I am a funeral guy and not a wedding guy. And, and part of that, some, it's, it's partly a joke, but par- partly it's, it's really real because, you know, in weddings, it's about the show. It's about the presentation. It's about the party sometimes, but you know, when, when, when you, you're dealing with grief and with loss and with death, man, there's a rawness to it and a realness to it that I just so appreciate. All the pretense is gone, um, usually, especially if it's a tragic loss or a sudden loss. Um, I shared with you earlier, you know, I just was walking with a family just this morning who lost a, a son through suicide. And, man, there's there's <laughs> there's no... There's no pretense. There's no pretending that it's okay. There's no trite words you can share. It's all, it's all vulnerable and real and raw. And uh, most of the time, even pastors who that who've been doing this a long time, and you step into those kind of situations, and it's really hard. Um, so, yeah, just on just maybe that's a way to start this, because uh, I, I think part of why you've asked me to be this to be on with you today is because, you know, I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer um, May 15th of this, of this year. And, um, you know, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I thought for some reason my dad was going to beat the odds and live forever. And I know that's not true, but there was a part of me that, that wanted to believe it. And uh, it, it was a journey. It was from dad uh, walking three miles a day, a 5k a day to, to uh, you know, going to heaven in seven in seven weeks, and it was a uh, it was real and raw, and real and raw, and tender, and and um, you know all those things in between. Joe, in in just a minute, I want you to tell us a little bit more about your personal journey with your dad. But before you do, would would you tell our listeners how you made a switch a few years ago from being an engineer to being a care pastor? And that's about the time you and I got to know each other. What what causes a guy to make such a big swing, such a, a major career change, and and to get into uh, into a world like this? One of our colleagues and good friends, and a guy who was on the podcast a few months ago, Rob McPherson, he's making the same kind of career switch, you know, from the business world to the care ministry world, and he has an affection for this. What, what was going on in your life? What led you to make that kind of a switch? 
Oh my goodness. It, you know, you know me just for the last seven years or so, but you know, it really happened 25 plus years ago. I was uh, locked into a pretty good engineering career and, and felt God's nudging to that there was maybe more to life than making money and, and doing engineering type stuff. Um, so, I mean, it really is 1997. I made the decision to go to seminary. In fact, from Littleton, Colorado to Columbus, Ohio, went to Trinity Lutheran Seminary there. And, um, you know, it was, it was a sense of call, if you will, that I tried to run away from. Um, and, and then even as I stepped into being a pastor, I tried to run, run away from it, run back to my engineering stuff because it was easier. And, you know, I didn't get calls in the middle of the night that people had died um, as an engineer, but as you and I know, that happens in our gig. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a poster child on, on making career changes because I, I wanted to run back. And as I step into retirement <laughs> and, and try to avoid stepping into people's messy situations, even this morning when I got a call at seven o'clock and there's a part of me that wants to run away from that stuff because it's hard. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not a poster child about, you know, making some big, you know, career change. I, I did it because I thought it was the right thing to do at the time. I, I so appreciate you saying that. Uh, I, I didn't realize, even though I thought I knew you pretty well, I didn't realize that your time in the career was kind of running away from a calling. I, I just thought it was an interlude or of, of some kind. But uh, when you, the way you just described it. It was a little bit about running away from a call, but I mean, the, uh, it's a much larger story, but my, my engineering part, my business partner uh, was killed in a climbing accident on Maroon Bells, Memorial Day weekend, 2005. And uh, the, the company was struggling and some of the partners, the original partners said, hey, could you come back and help? And I'm making a, I'm making a really long story, very, very short, but that, that in a nutshell, in 2007, I said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put my pastor stuff on hold for a while and go back and help the company. And, uh, for 10 years, well, uh, it took me 10 years to get back to ministry. And that's another story. It's another podcast to say how that came about. But, um, I, I, I thought I was done in 2007. Um, and, uh, just went back to engineering, making some good money and helping a company. And, um, but God obviously wasn't done with me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you came back to care ministry. I'm glad you came back to care ministry in the church down the street from me, because you've been a wonderful colleague, uh, and a good friend. And I've just enjoyed working with you. I love your heart for ministry. I love that you want to do it. Uh, there seems to be a gifting in people that want to do it. Uh, you, you have a real, uh, passion to walk alongside people going through pain. And now instead of avoiding it, uh, you're right at the tip of the spear. But you've experienced pain yourself. And we talked about just uh, a few weeks ago, you lost your dad. And I, when I was talking to you, you said he was your best friend. You talked to him on the phone every day. So I know you miss him dearly. You know, uh, my question's very open-ended and vague. So take it whichever direction you want. But you thought he was going to live forever. And then you get this negative prognosis. Could you take us a little bit through that season from that prognosis to how the family came together and what it was like to walk alongside your dad 
and put his hand in the hand of Jesus? Yeah, you you bet. I mean, I um, it's March 22nd. Uh, Dad went to the doctor because he had some stomach pain. He thought it was heartburn. And I knew Dad was going to the doctor. And like he shared, I, Dad and I talked almost every day. I live, I've lived 2,000 miles away from Dad for a long time. He's I'm in Colorado. He's in Florida. But we talked, if not every day, every other day, quick phone calls. But he was, he was, uh, you know, just a friend. I mean, if, if dads can be friends, he was a friend. But he was also, you know, one of those guys I put up on a pedestal. And when I said, um, you know, I want to be like him when I grow up, and he was my hero in some real ways. And, um, you know, I. I've shared with some folks, I mean, did you you ever step into something you weren't quite ready to step into? And I got a text from my dad, um, the 23rd of March, I was uh, doing, I was doing, still doing my pastor work. And I got a text from dad and said, um, Hey, hey, call me when you can. So I I was leaving somebody's home. I visited somebody that was um, sick and I left the home. And I, as I was driving away from their home, I was on County line and university. I remember it. When I called dad and dad said, are you sitting down? I said, dad, I'm in the car. And dad said, I got the big C, I got cancer. And I said, what kind? And he said, the nasty kind. He said, pancreatic cancer. And I said, what's the doctor say? And the doctor says, you know, it's um, uh, it's in my pancreas and, it, and it's metastasized to my liver. And uh, I asked dad, what's the doctor um, suggest to you? Uh, surgery, Whipple procedure, any of that stuff. And uh, dad said the doctor suggests um, based on his age. And and just to put some qualifier on it, my dad's 92 years old. My dad was 92 years old. And so, I mean, he's lived a great life, super life. Um, A joke that I thought he could live forever, would live forever. Um, I knew that wasn't real, but, you know, I just, he just was always there. uh, so we just kind of walked through that. And dad asked me, I'm one of six kids. Dad asked me to call my siblings and tell them. And I, I take that with great honor. I'm the oldest son. Um, took that with great honor, but that was really hard um, to sort of uh, <laughs> to sort of get my head and my heart around it. I, when dad said it, I said uh, over and over again, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. When I called one of my brothers, they said another word over and over and over again, but I probably can't repeat that on your podcast. Um, so we, we stepped into it. That was, uh, I, I got to I talked to dad on a Thursday earlier in that week. We had talked about uh, taking some time this summer and, and just take, taking a trip from Florida up the coast, picking up my brother in Charlotte, North Carolina, and going up to D.C. and then up to our old stomping ground on Long Island. And we were talking about a, a road trip. And uh, it was really sweet and precious. I thought dad was really calling me to talk about that road trip. And then when he said he had cancer, it was a different kind of trip, different kind of journey. And uh, that we found out on a Thursday, um, my wife and I, Cindy and I, and a brother flew into Orlando that Saturday morning. I went to be with dad and just to kind of begin to walk with him on through this process. And you know, from outside, he, he looked great. He still was, he sl- had slowed down, but he still looked great. Um, you would have never known he was sick, uh, but he was sick. And we began the journey. That was week one of rotating care for my dad. He was still very 
independent at that point, but he went downhill really, really fast. And um, just to, to, to put a sense to it, um, we got there on Saturday. Dad had a, another doctor's appointment with his uh, primary care physician on, on Tuesday, uh, where they were waiting on blood results to confirm the cancer diagnosis. And, you know, I got to go with Dad to that doctor's appointment. It was very cool. This is Dad's doctor of 30 years, Dr. Nyong from Vero Beach. And Dr. Nyong came in with tears in his eyes, said to my dad over and over again, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then began to share with me what an influence my dad had been to this doctor's life. And he said, since I met your dad, this is one of my expressions, the one that my dad always uses. He said, um, he said I share it with everybody I meet. Thank you for what you do. Simple thing that your dad always said to me and my staff. Now I share it with everybody. And it was very, very cool. Um, as a part of that doctor's appointment, the doctor grabbed my, my dad's face just in that loving, kind kind of way. Um, it was just this super sweet thing. And um, as we were leaving that doctor's office, I mean, um, if church can happen anywhere, it was happening in that doctor's office. And I, I remember my dad saying to the doctor, Dr. Nyung, Doc, I'll see you soon. And the doctor, I, I'm guessing he has the strong faith, pointed to heaven and said, yes, I'll see you soon, because he was passing off the care from his team to hospice care. Um, and dad wouldn't see Dr. Young this side of heaven anymore. Um, so, I mean, that's that's just a little bit of the story. And then uh, weekly, I, I, again, I've got, I'm one of six kids. We started rotating in um, weekly uh, the care for dad uh, alongside hospice, but we were the we were doing hospice care at home and it went from, you know, dad's normal, dad's healthy, dad's, you know, doing everything he can to dad couldn't, you know, barely get out of bed uh, at the end. Um, so it was, it was a sweet journey, hard journey, raw journey, tough to see your hero, your, um, your dad, um, your friend go through um, a pancreatic cancer, uh, a nasty cancer it is. I don't know if that answers any of your question, Dan, but that's. Joe, uh, that, that was beautiful the way you said that. And you described it uh, in in very wonderful, poignant way. One of the reasons I do this podcast to talk about such difficult subjects is to help us all have a greater connection with what really matters most. And when I think of your relationship with your dad and the way you described it, it, it just shows the value of a father and son relationship. When, when I think about your dad telling the doctor all the time, thank you for what you do and the impact that made on the doctor, it just shows the importance of life and, and the influence one person has on the other. And to, to see a doctor with tears in his eyes pronouncing a negative prognosis, that shows the compassion of the medical community many times. It's often overlooked, and sometimes we don't appreciate what they do. And you just described so many things that are beautiful and that are real. And, and you've used this word a few times today, raw. And it, it does stir the emotion. And sometimes we just want to 
have comfortable and happy emotions, but these are very deep emotions that are also good emotions and are valuable, even though they're they're full of sadness, they're full of tears, they're they're beautiful and they're healthy. And I I thank you for sharing that. Now you have been through that yourself, but you and I have walked through that and we continue to walk through that with others. You talked about today, you were with a family whose son just yesterday committed suicide. Thank you for being with us today after that emotional visit that I'm sure you had. I had lunch today with a man whose cancer has metastasized and his doctor has recently told him he probably only has a few more months. And I'm glad he was good enough to have lunch with me today, but these are not normal conversations. These are really difficult conversations to be with people, but we need to do it because that's what life is all about. And it defines the whole meaning of life. Uh, now, Let's shift gear. Do you have anything more to say about that? Is there anything you can add to what I just said? Yeah. yeah well, just about um, just about the need for relationship. You know, the reason that doctor came in and you know had tears in his eyes as he as he addressed my dad, and um, you know, part of it was just this relationship over thirty years that that had, and. You know, I, um, in my life, I've never lived in one place for more than 30 years. So, I mean, I don't have, don't have that kind of depth of relationship um, with, with a doctor, per se. But, Dan, just as, as you're sharing, I, um, I just one final story. Um, you know, the doctor kept saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And Dad said, Dad started comforting the doctor and said, Doc, it's okay. I've lived a great life. I've done everything I wanted to do. And, and I'm ready and I'm not scared. And then he, then dad shared the story at 88. He jumped out of an airplane. He parachuted. Um, and, and then the doc, one time dad did it. And then the doc said, you know what? I jumped out of an airplane too. Um, and then they began talking like they were old veteran parachuters, you know, uh, that they had served in the 101st Airborne. It was just this connection that both of them had. And I think, um, Dan, one of the things that, you know, when we talk about this death and grief stuff, man, it's a common thing that we're all going to go through. And whether, whether you've gone through it yet or it's around the corner, we're all going to do it. And I think that's my heart. Part of why I've done what I've done in this care pasture stuff is just I want to be able to help people walk through this this the you know, the grief and, and the mourning and the loss and the sadness in a way that's a little bit healthier and to equip the people that walk with them, you know, with a, a tool or two that can help them and not, not go the other way sometimes when they see someone who's hurting or suffering walk the other way. So one, one experience that I had a few years back um, was a church member lost a 19-year-old son to an accident. And he would come to me after that and say, Joe, I see people. They see me and they go the other way. They don't think I see it, but I see it. And 
Dan, we, we've seen it ourselves, and maybe we've done it ourselves. When we see somebody who's hurting, we've avoided them. And, you know, that there's something really painful and, and um, sad about that. Because I, I, I think in our DNA, we're called to care for each other. And if we can help equip some folks, walk with each other through the hard stuff, and praise God. Joe, let's talk about that for a few minutes. What do we do to, to help people? Now, I, I would like to talk to you about when this first happens. You were with somebody today that this just happened. And, and people have to plan a service. They have to do something. And in the earliest stages of this loss and what's coming up in the next few days and weeks, that's something you are really good at, and you feel called to that. When you get a phone call like you do, what what do you do? What do we tell a young pastor to do? What do we tell uh, one of our colleagues? What what should they do when they get that horrible phone call? Yeah, I you know I one you know, be careful what you say. I mean, there are no words, you know. A lot of the, a lot of the harmful stuff can be said when we try to say the Christian things. And you know, you and I know, that, you know, that term called the ministry of presence. The power of that, just showing up. It's not about what we say. It's just about being there. And especially when there, there is just, just tough, 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 tough loss. There's nothing that you can say. And I guess my counsel to a young pastor is to, when you get the phone call, is to say words like this, I'll be right over. And then and then to step into it. And, you know, even on my way today, having done this way more times than I care to talk about, you know, I asked a couple of prayer warriors from, that I know, hey, can you pray for me? 10 o'clock, I'm meeting with this family. Please pray for me and the words that I'll share and help me just be there. Help me to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a real way. No BS, you know, nothing that's going to, there's no neosporin for the soul that's going to help them right now, but just help me be with them. And Dan, you know, some of it, you know, when, when you have that tr- tragic news, a knock on the door saying, hey, your son's not coming home. You know, there's just stuff that um, starts to, to replay in people's hearts and their heads. And, you know, if we can help slow some of that down and calm some of that down. And this family I met with today, both of them were saying, I should have seen it coming. I can't believe I didn't see it coming. I I could have helped. Why didn't he reach out to me? Blaming themselves for not being able to anticipate something that this person obviously didn't want anybody to know. So just just a willingness, back to your question, and I'm rambling, but back to your question, a willingness to step into it and just be present. Just be present. And ask them the questions, ask them the story, those kind of things. I, I want to underline the phrase, ministry of presence. That's words we use in care ministry all the time. I don't know if people are as aware of that phrase as they should be. So I just want to emphasize that the ministry of presence. Don't feel like you have to say a lot but do be present, just be there and, and be with them. And it is a frightening thing to be there, like you said. I don't know how many times 
I have had to fill that role and not always even in death, but at the hospital and responding to a page or something when I was a chaplain. Joe, every single time for me, it isn't this way for everybody, but for me, I thought, is this going to be the one that I cannot handle? And I would be frightened. I would be prayerful, but I would still go. And the reason I'm saying that is if somebody has nerves, that doesn't mean you're not called to do this. If, if somebody like you who's seasoned in this is on the way to the hospital and know he needs God's help and he asks people to pray for him, that's somebody who, who recognizes the gravity of this situation and that it is bigger than we are. It is bigger than we are, and we are just called by God to play a role of presence in this person's life at perhaps the most crucial and critical experience they've ever lived. And we're called into that sacred moment. Yeah, you know, um, just a couple of thoughts off a spin off of that, Dan. I mean, it is. You know, I, I've learned just in my experience, I mean, it's always sacred ground. And, and there, is, there is a thin veil. When, when tragedy happens or the worst thing that could happen happens to a family or to a loved one, man, the, the presence of God is there. And, and or at, least I, at least maybe we're looking for it. I, I, I've experienced it. And, I, you know, I've stepped into situations that I knew I was way, way, way over my head. And I, I would just get the sense as I stepped into it, God just wanted me to show up and not just get all churchy or religious or spiritual or scripture. You know, I remember seeing on a card, someone captured what the ministry of presence is. And, and this person, this person wrote this, I'm not quoting it very well, but said there was a person that came to visit me and prayed with me and read scripture to me and said all the things that you're supposed to say to people that are hurting. And, and this person wrote, I couldn't wait for them to leave. And then a person came and just sat with me and cried with me and listened to me. I, never, I didn't want them to leave. And I think that that second part is who, what we're called to do, as hard as that is, because especially guys, maybe I'm projecting, maybe this is part of my engineering background. I want to fix people. You know, people are hurting. That's, that's, hey. You know, I used to, as an injury, I was paid to fix things. One of the biggest struggles, you know, in this pastor gig, oftentimes we can't fix anything other than point people to, um, other than to point people that people care, that I care, and that God cares, no matter what you've gone through. And sometimes that's the best that we can do is showing up and not try to fix anything, but just to be there with them. Um, and you know, Dan, I know we, we wanted to talk about the funeral part, and I, I'm just looking at our time. I know we're probably past our time, but the, the the need for people to share the story, what happened. Um, one of the things I've, I've loved to do is, is in care ministry is walk with people to, to help them celebrate a life. And you know, I just, especially people I don't even know, you know, I just ask them their story. And um, everybody's got a story. And, you know, to try to help unpack that, and there's no script for it, but it's just to, to really be interested in their story 
And what do they miss about their loved one? They had five more minutes with their loved one. What would they want to say? And just talk about those things. If they if they're married, can they remember the day they got married and when they said those things about in sickness and and, and health? Did they really mean walking with somebody with cancer or Alzheimer's? You know, just to unpack some of those things, to listen into their stories. And I know there's there's healing as people share their stories. Um. So. Are we getting close to, to, to answering any of the things we wanted to talk about? <laughs> it's a wonderful conversation, Joe. It's a wonderful conversation. I thank you for being here. I am going to ask you to come back because there is a lot more we can talk about. And, and I think it needs to be talked about individually. Like the funeral service. The one thing I would say about a funeral service is it needs the same attitude that you just talked about. It's it's being present in people's lives when their emotions are just overwhelming, when their life has just been rocked and changed. And But it's the attitude, it's that ministry of presence, it's being with somebody, it's validating their story, their life, that this care ministry thing is really all about. And you talked about that through your dad, through your own experience, through this family today. It's been a great conversation, Joe. Heavy, difficult, but important. And I thank you for being with me today. And I hope we can talk in a, in a few months or later this year a, a little bit more technically maybe about what to do in that service because that's something we need to know about too. But we're not gonna talk about that today. I thank you for what you did share today. Thanks for being with me, Joe. You bet, thank, thank you, Dan. And, and you know, just, um, and I've shared this with you uh, in front of people and behind closed doors, but you have been a gift to me, a mentor for me, especially in the tough stuff. Um, so thanks, thanks, brother, appreciate you. You bet, thank you, Joe, appreciate you. Thanks, Joe, for sharing your story. Man, I could feel the intensity and the emotion as you were talking. And I just think it's awesome how as difficult as these situations are, when we're walking along with people, we're where we need to be and we're making the biggest difference. Joe, thanks not just for sharing your story, but for caring about your dad and for caring about these hurting people who just lost their son to suicide. There's some other people I need to thank too and give credit so that we can bring this podcast to you each week. Zach Harder wrote and performed the opening music. Jim Hedinger's composition, In the Midst of the Storm, it's our closing song. Jim's music is calming and comforting, and you can find more of his music on Spotify or Apple and also on homebydark.com. Thank you, Andrew Hedinger, for producing and editing this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Best Care Ministry. Please help us grow by subscribing to this podcast, rating it, and sharing it with colleagues, family members, and friends. And visit our website at bestcareministry.com for many more real-life care stories, resources, and organizations that provide specialized care. Best Care Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. Please consider making a donation 
so we can reach more people, offer more resources, and help people thrive in their care ministry so that more people feel God's love. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being here with us today. And now take two minutes for yourself. Experience some self-care. Be still, be quiet, and listen to the calming and comforting mute headinger and see what you hear.